And we're not going to make Andy step up this big step. So somebody's going to have to escort her around. So Josh and, oh, well, y'all can get on both sides of her. She deserves the honor. And as she's coming up, uh, this lady, I met her in El Campo earlier this year and so impressed me. And especially this teaching that she's going to share with you this morning, unless Holy Spirit told her to do something else. Kind of hope he didn't, but if he did, that's fine. We'll go with whatever Holy Spirit says, right? So without further ado, would you please welcome Andy McDougall. excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I am excited, but I have to tell you, I am honored to stand before you. Amen? Amen. And um, the Lord has blessed my life. He's blessed my ministry. And uh, I'm going to give you a little commercial right here about four of my books that we brought. And then I want... First, though, I want my intercessors to stand up. The Lord has given, given, how many of you know that you can't do anything without intercessors? And so these dynamic women are a part of a team of intercessors that we have. It's not all of them. But they have blessed my life and they uphold me and help me to become everything that God wants me to be through their prayers. Amen. We have four of my books. My husband is a book publisher. So if you need a book published, he's the man to talk to. Amen. And, uh, but the first book that God gave me was birthed in 2000 when there was an explosion of signs and wonders and the manifestations of the glory that went beyond anything of human comprehension. And when it happened, I had to back it up in the word of God. And so this book is filled with the backup, if you will, of every sign and wonder that God has demonstrated in the earth that I have experienced up until this time. There are also many, many testimonies of magnificent miracles, people with gold fillings that get a diamond on the inside of their gold filling. And then the Lord sent me around the world to Israel, and he birthed this book, and it was about the deep. How many of you know that you have to launch out into deeper waters? The scripture in Psalms says that those that do business in deep waters shall see the wonders of God. Amen? So this is a marvelous book that teaches you about being launched into the deeper things of God. This other book is a marvelous book that was birthed out of a conference that we didn't know that we were going to be a part of. But the Lord knew it before we knew it. And in this conference, this particular book, there's several uh, uh, people that spoke and the, their messages are in this book. But it was about sowing the seed of your life and letting that seed die and spring forth the great harvest. You know, I love the scripture that says, Though a seed go into the ground when it springs forth, it will not look the same way it did when it went into the ground. How many of you would like to look a little different? In this conference, you know, the scriptures, we know a lot of scriptures, and one of them that I've always loved, but you, you never know how God's going to fulfill it. But he says that he could build a nation in one day. Always believed it, but didn't know that I would see it. 
And he built a nation in one day. And at this conference, we saw a nation of revivalists literally loosed into the earth at one time. Amen. Now, we're offering a special for these three books. If you get these three books, you are going to get this wonderful book called Your Camels Are Coming. And this has to do with the, the fact that God has loaded down all the goods of the master's hands upon camels. Amen. Spiritual camels that he is loosening to you for your ministry and for every provision that you have need of to fulfill the call of God upon your life. Amen. So this is just a freebie if you decide to purchase those three books. Amen. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 13. I want you to know as we begin to study the word this morning that this is a wow season. Right now you're in a wow season, but in this word that we're about to examine and to understand, it was a wow season for the people of God. God chose to send in spies to spy out the land. And they tell the spies, now we want to know exactly what is in this land. They were going into Canaan. And as they were going into Canaan, they wanted, God wanted to know everything. He wanted to know what the land was like. He wanted the people to bring back a report. And so in this wow season, in verse 23, it says, They came to the valley of Eshcol. They came to the valley of Eshcol. That word valley means the place of their inheritance. Now we're going to talk about the new wine this morning, but this is where the new wine is. That word valley is different from other valleys in the Bible. In the book of Ezekiel, there was a valley of dry bones. And there in Ezekiel, that particular valley means a place of hatching. That valley of dry bones was always a place of potential of life to spring forth in those bones. But God waited for the prophet to come on the scene to begin to speak it into existence. So that valley was the place of hatching and of new beginnings. This valley means inheritance. It means the thing that has been bequeathed to you. How many of you want to receive your inheritance? You want to receive everything that God has bequeathed to you. So it was a wow moment. It was a wow season. It's just like we are today. It's a wow season that we've stepped into. Amen? But they go to the valley, the place of inheritance... And Eshkol. Eshkol means the cluster. Do you remember what happened when the spies go in? That Joshua and Caleb, they find the fruit of the land. And one of the directives from God was, bring back the fruit of the land. And they go into the land, and a cluster of grapes was so big 
that it took two men to carry it on their shoulders on a pole. It was bigger than me. It was bigger than if you took several men and put them together. That's how big that cluster was. So it says that your inheritance is in the cluster. You don't know it, but this morning, this house is a cluster. Every joint supply. You come in, everybody has their position and their part. They flow together for the unity and for the anointing to set the captives free. Right? But then you go outside these walls and some of you have your own ministries. Or you're reaching the lost. Or you're doing street ministry. Or you're on your job and you're, you're ministering the baptism of the Holy Spirit to someone in your office. Or you're leading someone to Christ Jesus. And then you come back in. And there's a wonderful anointing because every joint is supplied. You are a cluster. You have the cluster anointing and it is the way God has intended for his body to operate. Now, I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 65 and 8. Are y'all excited? Isaiah 65 and 8. What I'm going to do is I'm going to paraphrase it for you. It says the new wine is in the cluster. Here's a cluster. Big, fat grapes full of the anointing, full of power, and full of the presence of God. He says the new wine is in the cluster. You're not going to find the new wine anyplace else but in the cluster. He says do not harm it. He says for the blessing is in it and the anointing is in it. So I'm laying a foundation for you this morning. Your inheritance is in the cluster, the valley of the cluster. And the new wine is where it is found in the cluster. But we are to not harm it because there is a blessing in it and the anointing is in it. How many of you want the blessing and the anointing? It is found in the new wine. Now I love in Micah chapter, I believe it's chapter 1, no it's chapter 7 verse 1. If you want to turn there, that's fine, but I'm going to paraphrase it for you. Because he says, oh, woe is me. I wait for the harvest of the summer fruits. I wait. He says, my appetite craves for the new wine in the cluster. But he says, I cannot find a cluster. My appetite he says, I've tasted of the new wine. He says, nothing compares to it. My appetite craves for it. But when the summer harvest came, there was no cluster. How intriguing is that? The new wine 
It's, it's fresh, squeezed wine. It's, it's, it's the most powerful wine there is that you can partake of. It gives joy. It gives strength. It gives peace. It's the Holy Spirit who is the new wine. And without the new wine or the cluster anointing, if you will, we are void of the new things that God wants in our lives. We have, your appetite should crave for the new things of God. Your appetite should be craving to get here on Sunday morning to partake of the fresh anointing that's flowing here every minute, every day. Now I want you to turn to Luke. And I've written here that there's a new wine rising. We're in a wow season, folks. I'm telling you, God's about to blow the top off of this thing. All over the world. Great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So let me get to Luke. Luke chapter 5. This whole chapter is about the old and the new. How many of you are sick of the old? This whole chapter is filled with contradictions. And contrast between the old and the new. I'm going to highlight just a few of the scenarios that Jesus was facing. Because the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, were about to go out. Because you see, the old, the new had come on the scene, Jesus. The new way of operating this new flow, the, this new church was being birthed in the earth in the book of Acts. And here is a sick man who Jesus has been called to minister to. And as he's called to minister to him so that the sick man can be healed, he notices that this man has a, a, a residue, if you will, of faith that was building on the inside of him. And when he looked at him, he says, your sins are now forgiven. But the old way of doing things with the Pharisees said now it got their attention because they were the old and God was bringing in the new. Amen? And so they said, listen, how can this man say your sins are forgiven when only God can forgive sins? There was a contradiction with the old and the new. And there was a tremendous contrast in the old and the new. Religion is the old. Religion has no power. It cannot heal you. It cannot deliver you. It cannot set you free. But in the new wine, in the power of the Holy Ghost, there can be instant miracles, instant healings, 
signs and wonders, marvelous operations of the Holy Spirit. And so here's these contradictions. The old is always the contradiction. There's a line divided between the old and the new, like a line drawn in the sand. And there's such a contrast to that which is of God and is of the new as compared to that which is old and of religion. It reminds me of another line that is drawn where people are inner court and people who are outer court. So Jesus keeps going on, and as he goes, there were different situations that were arising. And as they arose, Jesus had to face this old religious operation because he was the new. How many of you remember the story of the marriage at Canaan? And Jesus is at the marriage. And his mother, what happens is they run out of wine. And his mother keeps prodding him saying, it's your time. They need some wine. And he says, woman, what does that have to do with me? It was in an instant that Jesus stepped out of where he had been for 30 years, 30-something years, 30 years, into the new thing that God had created him for. It took a blink of an eye for Jesus to step into his fullness of time. Some of you, in the blink of an eye, will find yourself stepping into your fullness of time. That is the thing that God has birthed you into this earth to be. You may not be at the edge of that just yet, but I'm telling you what. In the blink of an eye, with the next step that you take, you will find yourself becoming in your fullness of time and fulfilling the destiny that God has placed upon your life. How many of you know you need to keep ministering? You minister, you minister, you keep ministering until the moment that God has designated I'm just going to say something here. God wants to dress you in your future. Anytime there was a move of God, certain things happened. First, the people of God had to wake up. Then a fire came on the inside of them. Come on. And every time there was a move of God or a shifting of a person out of where they have been into their fullness of time, there was the changing of their garments. And God began to dress them in a new mantle. So I'm sharing these things with you to leave a deposit with you that these things you will not forget, but you will set your eyes as a flint to move towards the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. You don't want religion. It is dead. It is dead works. You can go into a place that is filled with religion and you will not be able to find your healing. 
because they are rendered voidless of power. So Jesus is there, and in a second, he crosses over into his fullness of time. He says, get me the pots. Listen, these pots were not just regular pots. These pots were sacrificial pots that the priest used to cleanse themselves when they had slaughtered the animals for the sacrifices on the altar. These pots had the ashes of red heifers. I'm going to tell you a little tidbit here. That's, I don't know where I got this from, but somebody just told me this just a couple of months ago. You remember the story when God's speaking to Israel and he says, you've become a backslidden heifer. That's what he called Israel. He says, you're a backslidden heifer. The reason a cattle is called a heifer is because it has never brought forth or birthed. So when he spoke to Israel, he says, you're not just backslidden, but you're a backslidden heifer. You have never brought forth anything. And he says, I gave you opportunity to give birth and to bring forth into the kingdom. What a powerful indictment. So these jars, these pots, were filled with the ashes of red heifers. Animals that never produced. He didn't pick just regular pots, but he picked the pots that were the old, symbolic of the old, the old system. The sacrifices of animals for the forgiveness of sins. And he took the pots with the red heifer ashes in them. And he told them to fill them with water. And as they filled with water, a wine began to fill the pots. And it was a contrast of the old going out and the new coming in. Because Jesus Christ was the new. He was the whole new system. He was going to be the one who was going to take the blood of his own blood and he was going to become our great high priest and he was going to bring it in to the holy of holies on the mercy seat. And he was going to take his own blood and he was going to cover the mercy seat for the forgiveness of every sin that we have ever committed. What a contrast. And then they said, you usually save the best for last. They were getting the best. In a second, he crossed out of where he had been into his fullness of time to fulfill the ultimate destiny. You know, you can love the names of God and the operations of God. You need to love him as your great high priest. His blood has covered every sin in your life, has washed you white as snow, has forgiven you. Only when you come to accept him does this happen, right? 
But when you accept him, that blood on the mercy seat and the holy of holies in heaven begins to cover your sins. And he takes those sins and throws them as far as he can from the north to the south, to the east, to the west. And he never remembers them ever again. What a marvelous. Aren't you glad that we're not in the old? That we are in the new where there's power. Resurrection power. We're in the new wine. There are many contradictions. Many. Many contrasts. The Pharisees begin to ask Jesus because he went and ate with the tax collectors. This was not common practice. If you were a Pharisee or a sad Jew, see, you did not associate or rub shoulders with the commoners who were not connected to God. He says, I did not come to call the righteous to repentance. And let me read what the Amplified says because I like it. He says, I did not come to arouse and invite those that already believe in me, the righteous. He says, but I came to the sinners. I came to invite them and to arouse something in their spirit that would cause them to see their need for me, Christ Jesus, in their lives. So here was this contradiction that he's rubbing shoulders with the taxpayers, the tax collectors, and with sinners. Right now in the spirit realm, Jesus is sitting right next to you. If you haven't accepted him yet as your Lord and Savior, he's rubbing shoulders with you. He's arousing something inside of you that you've never felt before. And in that arousing, he's inviting you to cross a line today and step over out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And your life will be so marvelously changed like never before. And so these constant contradictions of the old and the new, this constant uh, comparison of the old and the new, and then Jesus begins to direct to them a parable. Jesus, it was prophesied in the Old Testament that Jesus would never, he would only speak in parables. I shared this um, Friday night. He says, they have ears to hear, but they cannot hear. Because the, the, his disciples wanted to know, why do you always speak in parables so no one can understand what you're saying? And he says, they have ears to hear, but they can't hear. They have eyes to see, but they cannot see. He says, for those of you that have little, you're going to get even less. I know that sounds hard, but you see, when you step into the kingdom, you get a lot. 
And when you keep walking in it, God keeps pouring over you and lavishing you. So, he says it's not for them outside the boundaries of the kingdom. You see, we're doing kingdom business here this morning. Is that okay? God has brought you here, every one of you, for a purpose. For a particular reason to flow through you to bring you to a whole new place in the kingdom. And flowing in the new wine. So he speaks in parables. Now the Bible describes parables as sacred secrets. Sacred secrets are covered over and they're hidden. How many of you try to read the word and understand it, but sometimes it's difficult? It's a sacred secret. In fact, the Bible calls it the mysteries of the kingdom. These mysteries are what is known in in the Greek as the mysterios of God. And he says that through these mysteries, he says at the appropriate moment, at the appropriate people, he says, I choose to uncover the mysteries. And you don't realize it, but when these mysteries are being released to you, when you study the word and you begin to get a new revelation or a new understanding, you don't understand it because you understand it. But what I'm trying to say is, is that when these mysteries come, you're not cognizant of it. But what happens to you, you get initiated into the word of God. Now, this is not a term that I made up. You can study it in the word of God. Look up the word mysteries. So when a mystery is uncovered or unveiled to God's people, you get initiated into the word. Isn't that marvelous? But that word initiate means a new beginning. Something is initiated on the inside of you. Come on. How many of you would like something initiated on the inside of you this morning? So Jesus begins to speak in a parable again. And he says, look, you can't take the old and mix it with the new. It's not going to work. And if you look in verse verse 36, and he begins to tell them a proverb or a parable. No one puts a patch from a new garment on an old garment. You ladies know that when you've got a beautiful dress that's been torn, you're not going to take a piece of fabric off of an old piece of garment and stick it on the old one. You're not going to take a new piece and stick it on the old one. No matter how much you loved that old, it's going to ruin the appearance of that fabric. And when you begin to wash it, something's going to happen One piece, the new piece is going to shrink. So not only do you have a patched piece that is very unbecoming, but the fabric is ruined. He says you can't do that. It never works. Amen? But then he goes on in verse 37, and he says, No one pours new wine into old wineskins. That word wineskins means bottles of flesh. This morning, you are the wineskins that he's talking about. You are bottles of flesh 
that he is wanting to lavish you with all of the new things of Christ Jesus. He wants to pour in that new wine, that cluster anointing, that, that wine that in, in Micah, he, he says, I, I, uh, my appetite just, uh, it just thirsts for it. I long for it. And he says, the summer fruit has been harvested, but I can't find a cluster. And so I'm lack of that new wine. So sometimes with people, we have what is called old wine skins. Now, it's, it's, I was thinking about this this morning on the way to church. In verse 37, where he says, you do not pour new wine into old wine skins. I'm going to paraphrase it for you. Don't take this wrong. Silly people. Listen. I'm talking, about the, I'm talking about the peoples of that day. I'm not talking about you being silly people. But he's saying, silly people. Everybody knows that you cannot put new wine in an old wine skin. I mean, if you dealt with wine, if you knew anything about wine of that day... They knew, everyone knew that you cannot put new wine in an old wineskin. It was common knowledge. And the reason for it was when the new wine was crushed and it was put in the wine press to produce wine, there is a continuous flow of fermentation. So if you take that new wine that is fermenting and expanding... How many of you know that there's new wine and it's going to expand on the inside of you? And in the expansion of that new wine, God is going to expand on the inside of you the capacity to receive everything that God has for you in this new season. How would you like to not miss a beat? Come on. You'll be right in the middle of it. You don't want to be on the outside looking in on what God is doing. Do you know you can be in a house and literally be on the outside looking in at what's happening with everybody else? I don't know about you. I want to be right in the middle of what God's doing. So he's saying to you silly people, you deal with wine and you know that you cannot put new wine in old wineskins because when you do it, it's fermenting and it's expanding and it's going to burst the wineskin. What does the word for wineskin mean? Bottles of flesh. So the parallel here is, is that God cannot come and put the new wine in old bottles of flesh. What is an old bottle flesh? The old way of thinking. The old way of doing things. But he says, I'll come and I'll put new wine and new wine skins. New bottles of flesh. Now I'm going to interject something here. But back in the Old Testament, in Exodus... The Israelites fight five battles after they come out of Egypt. The first battle they fight is Amalek. I'm taking you somewhere with this, okay? 
great miracle just happened. The people had complained against God. They were thirsty. And so they chided with him. They complained. And God says, I'm going to give you water. And he tells Moses, he says, you're at the rock of Rephidim. He says, if you will smite that rock, water is going to begin to flow out of it. And all of a sudden, when Moses takes his rod of authority and he smites that rock, water begins to pour out of the rock at Rephidim to give water over and over again to how many people? Three million probably, including husbands, wives, and children. Miraculous. And then the Bible says, then came Amalek. Amalek is the the enemy that you will fight when you first get born again. Because it's the old way of doing things. That's what Amalek means. The old way of thinking. The old way of doing things. The old way of looking at God. And so the first battle, born again, spirit-filled people get is a battle with Amalek. Because that enemy wants to keep you locked into the old way of doing things. He wants to pull you back into your old way of thinking and keep you there. Now, when there's a move of God, that spirit of Amalek tries to come in against the peoples of God. Because here in the New Testament, and Luke chapter 5, it says, you were so used to the old, you preferred to stay with the old. It tasted better to you. I don't want to be there. So here's Amalek. Amalek is such a powerful enemy. God said that it needed to be utterly destroyed. He says, because Amalek actually comes up to the throne room of God between God and you. Now, this is in Exodus. I believe it's chapter 17. I'm not sure. Let me repeat that. God said in Exodus, he said, Amalek will actually come up to the altar of God, to the throne room of God, and stand between you and God. And he says that Amalek will be my enemy through all the generations. Because if the enemy can keep you locked into the old way of doing things, if the enemy can keep you locked into yesterday, if the enemy can keep you wanting and thriving after the old things that God delivered you out of, you will never ever fulfill your destiny or purpose in the earth. And that's why God hated Amalek. He hates it to this day. When Saul was raised up, he did not want to raise up a king. But God says, I'm going to give you a king. And he's going to make you want to throw up. You're going to wish to God you had never asked for a king. And the first enemy that God called Saul to destroy was Amalek. God was giving him a chance to go in and utterly annihilate because God said, you have to destroy every part of Amalek. The women, the men, the babies, the children. 
the cattle, the sheep. There could be nothing left to the seed of Amalek. God says it has to be utterly destroyed. Right now in your life, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that thing that draws you back to the old, that wants to keep you locked in your yesterday, which keeps you from walking into your purpose and ultimate destiny in the earth, God wants it to be annihilated in your life. Because God's got new wine that's effervescent. It's intoxicating. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It will make you into a new person. It'll take you from where you are right now and thrust you into the kingdom of God. How many of you want to get rid of Amalek? How many of you want to be a new wineskin? You cannot put new mindsets into old mindsets. You can present them, but it's very difficult for old mindsets to receive the new. There can be no contradictions as there were with the Pharisees. We don't want the Pharisees. We don't want the old. We don't want the Sadducees. We do not want the old system. But we are to be partakers of the new wine. I want you to stand to your feet. I cannot make you into a new wineskin. I can't make you into a new bottle of flesh. But if this word ministered to you, we'll be happy to lay hands on you and believe God for the utter destruction of Amalek in your life. Utterly destroy it. I, I know you heard what I said. He is your enemy. Israel, Saul, Saul kept the king of Amalek. He kept the best sheep. He kept the best cattle. And when Samuel goes before him to rent the kingdom from him, he says, Saul said, I did everything you told me to do. And he says, oh, really? He says, then why do I hear the bleeding of the sheep? And he had every excuse why he kept that old. Remember this. God says that spirit goes up between you and the throne, into the throne room of God, between you and God, to stop the move of God in your life, to stop your destiny. We're going to open the altars up, and if this is for you, then come down as quickly as possible, and we're going to lay hands on you and pray that God is going to do something marvelous in your life. Is that okay? Amen. Come on, come quickly. Now, as these are coming, 
I didn't know it, but this message has become a message of salvation also. And I want to give an invitation to those of you that don't know Jesus as your great high priest. You don't know him as your Lord and Savior. You have not asked him to come into your life and to forgive you of all of your sins. See, that is the only way that you have access into the kingdom of God. There is no other way. There is no other name. There is no other authority on the face of the earth but that of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Him and through Him is your total and complete salvation and release into a new life free of every sin that has so easily beset you. We thank you, Father. Now what I want to do is if you're coming for salvation, I want those of you to make a little bit of room and have them come up right here. first fruit today anybody else no you stay here anyone else come quickly come on anyone else come on anyone else for salvation maybe you're backslidden Maybe you're a backslidden heifer. But God will come this morning and he will cause you to produce in the kingdom of God. This is the most pivotal moment of your lives. You are about to cross a threshold, if you will. Everybody knows what a threshold is? It's like stepping over. Hold my hand. I'm coming down. Thank you. You've crossed out of one place into a new place. That's what's happening right now. Even your decision to do this is allowing you to cross over out of the old into the new. Every sin, every failure, every wrong thought, every thing that you didn't know was evil, all of a sudden a conviction has come to you that it was evil. And in that, the blood of Jesus is going to begin to cover you from the top of your head all the way to the soles of your feet. You might even feel it begin to pour over you. Amen. He is going to take every sin, every failure, cover it in his blood, wash you white as snow, and he's going to take those sins and throw them as far as the east is to the west. And the most important thing is he will remember them no more.
So that when the enemy comes in to remind you of your failures, you say, no, I'm a blood-bought child of God. I want you to pray this sinner's prayer with me. All of us are going to pray it. Now, I believe, let me say this real quick. I believe that when you get born again, you need to get filled with the Holy Ghost and power. And the reason why that resonates on the inside of me so strongly is because when I got born again for two years, I didn't know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I lived a life that was not, that was powerless. But when the Holy Spirit comes and he begins to speak through you with it, takes control of your tongue with the evidence that the Holy, that's a sign to you that the Holy Spirit has come. You're going to have power. You're going to walk away from this place full of power. And everything that the Holy Ghost is, is going to be on the inside of you. Comfort, joy, peace, revelation. How many of you would like to pick up the Bible and read it and understand it? Come on. Revelation is going to be your portion. He's going to begin to illuminate the Word of God to you. Amen. So first things, we're going to get born again. And I want everybody to pray this prayer with me. You're about to be changed into a new man. Wow. A new man. A new woman. We're going to see a miraculous miracle this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you and I begin to declare you as Lord and Savior of my life. I thank you, Jesus, that you are coming to me now. And the blood of Jesus that was shed at Calvary, that you took and you applied it to the mercy seat, it is now beginning to flow over me in the name of Jesus. I receive you, Jesus. I ask you to take my sins away. And now I'm becoming white as snow. I'm clean. I'm pure. The angels in heaven are rejoicing. Right now, there are angels in this room. I'm talking to y'all. We agree. There are angels in this room right now, and they are rejoicing that you and you and you have stepped out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. You are no longer a part of the kingdoms of this world. Now, I want you to lift your hands. Are y'all ready to receive the baptism of Holy Spirit? Is this okay? Now, what's going to happen? you got Jesus living inside of you. He's come inside your heart. He's living there, right? But this is what's about to happen. 
the Holy Spirit. See, God's triunal. He's God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit wants to come and live on the inside of you. He is going to be dynamite power that's about to explode in your life. You're going to be able to overcome Amalek. Come on. And everything that the Holy Spirit is, is going to come on the inside of you. But there's going to be a sign to you that it has come, that he has come. And he's going to begin to take control of your tongue. And he's going to begin to pray through you heavenly words. It's a sign. It's a wonder. It's a miracle. And when it happens, he'll take control of your tongue and you'll begin to speak in what may sound like baby language. Or it may, it's going to be different words. Even if you get one word, you need to release it. Do you believe? You do? All right. You believe. Okay. Right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, I ask for the power of the Holy Ghost. You're hovering over them. I ask you to come on the inside of them. Begin to fill them to overflowing in the name of Jesus. I ask you, Father, to begin as you fill them overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything that you are, Holy Spirit, is coming into their lives right now. They're going to have dynamite power. Power to overcome. Power to study the Word of God. Power to flow in the things of the kingdom. He's going to illuminate His Word to you. He's going to give you revelation and understanding. So, Father, I ask you to begin to take control of their tongues now in the name of Jesus and let the power of the Holy Spirit begin to consume them. Lay hands on them and release. Now, as you begin to speak into... There it is. Come on. You got the Holy Ghost, honey. Now, listen. This is what I tell people. Listen. I tell them to speak it so loud because it's about to kick the devil in the teeth. Cut it out. Pam, come up here. I want you to lay hands on this one's belly. Come on, you're going to speak in power and authority, honey. I hear it, honey. Speak it. Just loosen, even if it's just one word. Uh, it's the power of God that's on you. 
It's okay if it's baby talk. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we command that river of the Holy Ghost to come forth in the name of Jesus. Are you hearing me? And that seal, when a king puts a seal on someone, it can never be broken unless the king breaks the seal. You were sealed unto the day of his return. And not one enemy in hell, unless you turn from God, not one enemy in hell will be able to take you out of the hands of Jesus Christ. You're sealed unto the day of his return. Only way it can be broken is he breaks it. And that's the only way. And that's if you turn around and walk away. You're sealed. You belong to him. A seal right on top of you. In the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Yes. 